great to see you. I want you, invite you to turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. And, you know, I just, I, I'm just praying today, just believing. I want your hearts to be lifted. I reference this in kind of the prayer at the end, not with kind of a hype that, you know, you get excited about a service and then you leave and just kind of fades by later on that afternoon. The Word of God brings us life and it builds our faith. And it's easy sometimes to have faith in the good times, but when challenges and adversity comes, that's when something has to come from within uh, and it's more than mental gymnastics, and it's more than just uh, being optimistic. It's something from God, and it's an impartation. And we're going to start a new series today called Optical, Optimal Capacity. I hope I can pronounce it. Um, opti- I guess it could have been optical capacity, like seeing optical. Um, you know, and optimal capacity and, and kind of uh, helping a, a computer theme kind of focus our minds. I know for some of you, you're kind of like me. I, I like just I'm a straight expository teacher most of the time, but we're going to look at a topical series. And before we start thinking, wow, Aaron's trying to get clever or cute. Let me just give a little disclaimer here for a second. When, when we look at the text uh, and look at Jesus, all of the great illustrations that he gave that we draw strength from today and learn about his teaching just came from everyday stuff. You know, talking about commercial fishing in the first century. We don't really identify with that, so we get our commentaries and, and we bring out points. But the listeners, he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw some commercial fishermen, he said, be fishers of men. Um, when he talked, when he talked about shepherding and, and so many, so many examples that we talk about that today, it, it, they're kind of distant stories that we kind of relate to, but we have to go through the commentaries and different things like this. And so I thought, well, let's just, you know, maybe draw a modern day parallel, still staying focused on the scripture. And so I, I want us to um, allow the next three weeks in the middle of fall here, or as fall is launching on, you know, this is not the time of year you start talking about goals and stuff. This is the type of year you kind of just throw in the towel on goals and say, well, oh, wait, really stinks. I'll just, we'll just kind of float through the rest of the year and, and I'll worry about all my goals later. But I want you to imagine uh, how you're going to feel post-Christmas and you've already got through the hustle and bustle of the holidays and you're reflecting on your year, and you want to finish strong, and you want to finish just strong as a person. And I'm not talking about just human characteristics, uh, you know, stuff like making more money and losing a few pounds. I'm just talking about in your heart, you know, you know, growing in the Lord, being closer to Him. And so the next two, three weeks, we're just going to look at some things that are going to be evaluations for us. Because when we don't evaluate our lives, and we don't uh, have a sense of of uh, of seeing where we're at. It's so easy. Our life kind of gets sluggish. Our life isn't really operating at the speed we want it to. And this illustration, the Lord just gave this illustration to me a little too close to home because last week I was trying to put together a wonderful media, and the computer just froze up. I mean, we I couldn't do anything. It was totally stuck. And this was right before service. And so I was stressing out and I was doing everything. You know, when all else fails, you just push the off button. And it doesn't really ever help. It just makes you feel better. Uh, and so 
uh, learning more about that, uh, now, if you look, if you would reflect, I'm not a computer science major, or if you even looked at some of my grades in the few computer classes I took, I did not do well at all. But uh, I know a little bit about that to know that there's something called cash. And to better illustrate this, cash, look in your bulletin. You guys, look at the back of your bulletin. This is, this is, if you want to take notes, you can follow with me. Now, Chad back there, can you can you grab the microphone? Chad is our one of our media guys. He's back in the sound booth. And not to give you a shameless plug, but Chad is an IT professional. And so Beth actually warned me. She said, "Honey, don't try to explain what cash is because it's not." I, I like read her read my notes here, and it just didn't work out for me. So Chad, back there, would you give us a quick definition of what cash is? Uh, cash is temporary memory on a computer system. It's not the main memory, but it holds your information that you need for the for whatever application you're running. That's it. So what happens what happens when you have too much cash? <laughs> when you have too much cash, it can um, slow down your computer because um, your temporary memory builds up and holds all that information. Great. I'm so glad you said that because if not, you would have messed up my whole sermon. So that's a great thing. <laughs> So I want to deal today, the title of my message is RAM, and cash is a form of RAM. And I want us to deal with our memory, because uh, our memory has incredible capacity to either launch us on to something new and fresh, or in most cases, our memory, our memories tend to be like cement around our feet. They keep us stuck in where we're at. That's why the scripture we read during worship is, uh, is our theme scripture today, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 16. Paul, a man of humility, says not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, and here's a key phrase that I want you to clue in, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already obtained. Too much cash, as as, uh, Chad shared with us, will lock us up. Not cash like You know, cash didn't lock us up, the real cash, but uh, the computer cash, too much of that will lock us up. We can't not process information fast enough because we're so full of old information. And I see so many times that people are prevented from moving into their future because they're stuck in their past. I have a friend of mine uh, that I only talk to once or twice a year, and uh, we were part of kind of a damaging situation years ago uh, that wasn't healthy for us spiritually. Um, it happened in the year 1994. We encountered just uh, just kind of a without glorifying those details, just something that could have been damaging. And can I tell you that I rarely think of that except when I talk to him. And even though since that time I've uh, finished college, been married, had three kids, worked at four different churches. Whenever I talk to him, we are still in 1994. And he wants to relive that experience and talk about that. And um, it's almost comical in a way because I'm like, are you kidding me? I I would really like to know you, who you are today. I'd like to know what you're doing today. I want to know 
who God's made you today. Our past defines who we are, but our past doesn't have to define us. It, it is a subtle difference that that we carry with us our experiences and we carry with us um, the things that good and bad that have happened to our life. But it's so easy to let our past define who we are instead of just making lines of definitions. And there's some types of cash to use this phrase that weigh us down. And you can write it down. Uh, the first point I already made, too much cash will lock us up. But A, the type of cash is that weigh us down if you're taking notes on the back of your bulletin is our past. Sin and failures. Our past sin and failures. Some of us, somewhere in our past, made a mistake. We did something wrong, and that has stunted our growth. In fact, we always refer back to that year, that era, that time, and almost in a in an attitude of defeat, just say, I was doing so good until then. I was on course until then. I was doing fine until that happened to me. And I'm not trying to minimize the reality of pain and sin. But the point I'm trying to make is there's a season of mourning. There's a season of regret because the Bible says that godly sorrow leads to repentance. So if you're never sorry for your sin, you'll never repent. But after that season is over, God moves us out of that season. And God's a God who restores and God's a God who makes all things new. God wants to move us past our sin and past our failures. I am so glad I serve a God who does not treat me as my sins deserve. Because if he did, I wouldn't be preaching this morning. If he did, I wouldn't be able to do what God's called me to do. Because God's grace has not only saved me, but it has sustained me. And his grace is available. Jesus is our advocate. And he stands before the Father in intercession to intercede for us. And it's his death and resurrection that, that covers our sins, even the sins that we sometimes commit after salvation. So here's the truth. We do carry the consequences of sin in this life. I mean, that is just a natural law. A man will reap what he sows. So you can't get around that. You know, I don't want to lie to you. I don't want to mislead you. I don't want to just give you a message today that um, would not benefit you. Because there is truth that if you sow to the spirit, you'll reap from the spirit. But if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap from the flesh. The blessings of God that me and my wife are experiencing today is a direct result of the things we sowed in the past. And if I'm not sowing for good things today... We're not going to be blessed tomorrow. That's just how it works. You have to sow good things to get good things in store. But here's the truth. Here's the point I'm trying to make. That was my disclaimer. Here's the point. We suffer the consequences of sin in this life. But the gospel, grace, the message of Jesus tells us that we don't suffer that consequence in the next life. We are not going to be failures forever. We're not going to be sinners forever. We're not going to live with the consequences of sin forever because God has gone before us and he has prepared a new place, a place, the new Jerusalem in heaven where sin will not exist, where you will not fail because you'll be in the glory of Jesus. So here's the truth. When we talk about God's forgiveness and he forgives and he forgets, 
It's specifically referring to our eternal consequence. That's the awesome thing about God is when we're in heaven and we're in glory and, and we, we stand before the Lord. And we're like, oh, I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. I mean, you think you deserve hell? Wait till you get before God. See, a lot, a lot of us, we're really impressed with ourselves and we think, I am pretty cool. If I was God, I'd let myself in heaven too. But when we stand before a holy God, we'll realize, oh, our, the consequences of our sin. We deserve hell. Yet, the God who forgives and forgets, the implications of that are eternal. Yeah, he does not count our sins as we deserve. Here's the reason I say that, because in this life, and hear me clearly, right or wrong, good or bad, people will hold your sin against you. And they will. That's why, I, you know, working with teenagers for so long, a lot of them wanted to give their testimony. And they're like, I want to give my testimony. I say, what is it? And they tell me, I say, don't give that testimony. Uh, tell me, tell some people, but don't give that. Because God might forget your sin, but every Christian you confess to through a microphone will never forget that sin. Ten or twenty years later, they'll remember, that's that guy or that girl. Uh, and that is a weakness of our human nature. A weakness of our human nature is that people will hold our sins against us. That's one of the reasons why in two weeks I'm going to talk about display, why our reputation does matter. Uh, people say, I don't care what people think of me. Well, God cares what, how you project yourself, and reputation does matter, and we'll look at that. I want you to turn to Revelation 12.10. And we don't have this on the screen, so you will actually have to use your Bible. In fact, maybe I'll do that like every week, have like a trick scripture to make you use your Bible. So... It'd be probably be sacrilegi- sacrilegious for me to actually have a fake scripture in there just to test you. And that could get me in a lot of trouble. I heard that, honey. Thank you for that confirmation. Uh, so we know this is that Christians will hold our, uh, well, yeah, Christians, but people will hold our sins against us because of their uh, sinfulness and because of our human nature and that's just the way we are. We also know that we will suffer the consequences of our sin in this life. But the good news is not in eternity. Isn't that good news? I mean, we'll suffer the consequences for a while, but not in heaven. In heaven, it's a new deal. But one of the things we need to realize is that our enemy specializes in taking advantage of our failures. And so beyond this weakness we have as humans that we can't forget the sins of others and also the spiritual laws that we suffer consequences from sin. In addition to that, we find out in Revelation 12:10 that Satan, our enemy, specializes in something. I want you to read with me in verse 10. Because I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ For, and here's a key phrase, the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. That's specifically talking about Satan. He is the accuser. And so one of the things that happens is this, is that we are suffering the consequences of our sin. And and as time goes on, those are minimized. And as time goes on, we sow more to the spirit and hopefully the spirit of God is more apparent and fruitful in our lives. On top of that, we've got each other who we just can't forget because we're sinful and ungodly. And so that creates an environment for the enemy to come in and accuse, accuse, and accuse. And that's what the enemy does. He just begins to just, just sow into our lives. You sow into our, you're always going to be a liar. You're always going to cheat. You can't overcome that. And that 
information, that accusation combined with the other circumstances I described creates us a, 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 the wrong kind of memory, the wrong kind of spirit, the wrong kind of failure. And the guilt of our sin is disabling. Can I tell you that guilt is only for a short season? God restores that. And there is a time when we can look back at the goodness of God and say, I've overcome. I've overcome. I was sorrowful and I was wrong and I was repentant. But you can't live in sorrow forever. You can't live in sorrow forever. There is a day that you have to trust in the forgiveness of God. And that God has said, I will not hold your sin against you and count your sin as you deserve because I have redeemed you. I have bought you. And that's the first kind. When I talk about we need to get rid of this bad type of memory, this bad cash our past sin and our past failure. And that's something that we all need to deal with. But here's something we often overlook, and this is B, our past successes and fond memories. Sometimes those can slow us down. Sometimes those can make our life sluggish because we are just like the illustration I gave earlier. We're stuck in another year. We're stuck in another era. Our Body might be at a particular church, but our heart is in a church from 1997. We're stuck. The good old days syndrome. I'm so grateful for the greatness and the goodness of God. I'm so grateful for what he's done in my life. And But I also know that there's a new work. It's a new day. There's something fresh. There's something unique. There's something that God has for me now that doesn't. Listen, you don't have to hate today. Like, like Sometimes we feel like we have to hate today so it won't diminish yesterday. You know what I'm saying? We're like, you know, that was so great. Nothing will be as good. I mean, we already declare with our mouth. We've already set our limits. God's doing something new and he's doing something great. And I thank God for different seasons. I thank God for different eras. I thank God for different times in our life. But I know this. I know that he has something new and something unique and something special for me today. You know, it's just like, listen, some people are just so stressed out about the growth of church. What's our numbers? Where are we growing? Where's our pathway? Can I just be honest with you? I know our church is going to grow probably faster than any of us really want it to. I mean, I want to reach people for Christ, but I'm going to miss these days. I am. Some people are always complaining about they're so stuck on the numbers. They're not even enjoying today. And those same people will someday be like, oh, man, I missed it when we were smaller. Let's just all enjoy today. Enjoy the gift that God's given us today because today is what he has given us. And this is the day that the Lord's made. And I will rejoice today in what God has given me and what he has in store for me. The truth is this, is that when we talk a little bit about the good old days syndrome, when it comes spiritually, that whatever brings us into the kingdom of God is usually what we're loyal to. Like that first worship CD that we really worship God with. Like 20 years later, it's like that's the best ever. Nothing compared to Kent Henry in the late 80s. And by the way, that is a true statement because that was the first thing. And I booked Kent Henry for December. So all the teenagers would be like, huh, who is this guy? But I'm pumped because that's what brought me into worship. So no one will, will measure up to him. And the first pastor we sat under, that first youth pastor, that first church, 
Whatever brings us into the fullness of the Spirit, whatever brings us into the kingdom of God, whatever brings us into the new dimension, nothing will ever measure to that. But let me just tell you, that's just a psychological sometimes of reality. And I want you to move past that a little bit because if we want to move with the speed, I mean, God's coming back and he wants us to move with speed and efficiency. We have to appreciate the old days, but engage in the new days. Say, this is where God has me now in 2008 and 2009 and 2010. These are my greatest days. We've got the spirit of Caleb. Don't you love Caleb? Who he was, he was in his later years in life, but he said, I'll take on that mountain. I've got something new. I'll, I'll, I will take the charge. I'll do what God's called me to do because God is doing something new and unique within us. Starting over, it's never easy to start over, but you know what? God might have positioned you to start over and he wants you to start over for a reason because when we get stuck with the same people with the same group with the same i don't want to say same pastor because i don't want any of you guys to leave me but same restaurant same city same environment same you know sometimes we we can be creatures of habit and god we get too comfortable to rely on god bottom line we get too comfortable to really rely on him and and say god i want to do something fresh. I want to do something new. I want to meet new people. I mean, some of us, we just need to go out with somebody new. We already know the same stories from the same people we've hung out. When we are laughing about the joke before they finish the joke, we need to include some new people in our group. So when we're stuck in our past, we're not engaged in today. And God's a God about today. So here's our response. Quickly, here's our response is number one, empty the recycle bin. Empty the recycle bin. Now, and, and that's the issue with our computer because we went and deleted all these video, all those video announcements and stuff like that. But we didn't go to the recycle bin and delete that. And sometimes this, these memories that are slowing us down and whether it be our past sin or our past positive experiences, it's just important that we've got to kind of empty those out and, and cause, create something new in our life so that we could, um, have more speed. And I love what this phrase says. Write it down. Forget what God has forgotten. I mean, we need to do that as believers. And we need to forget what God has forgotten. Now, these are some scriptures I want to share with you. Hebrews 8, 10, and 12. And I love this scripture. It says, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. It's talking about a time to come in the reign of Christ. But I love verse 12. And this is the point for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sin no more. Isn't that an incredible revelation? That God will remember our sin no more. Some of us, we need to empty the recycle bin. We need to quit bragging about our party days and quit bragging about what we used to do and bragging about who we ran around with and what we drank and what we injected. And and sometimes some of us act like the old days were the best days, but there's the days when we had the dominion of darkness over us. And we need to empty those memories out and say, I am moving forward. I'm going to forget what God has forgotten. He said in verse 12, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sin no more. Look at me. I love Psalm 103. 
Psalm 103. I mean, this, if you hadn't liked my sermon yet today, you can just take Psalm 103 and it's going to build your faith today. It says, praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. I love this. He will not always accuse nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. Can I pause and say that's an infinite distance? The east and the west, I mean, it's separated forever, infinitely. So far, he has removed our transgressions from us. Listen, if God has forgotten your past, you have to live and forget what God has forgotten. Sure, there's still going to be consequences of your sin. Sure, there's still going to be people who they're not going to forget. Sure, the enemy is still going to come and accuse you. But you have to then begin to uh, go to the Word of God and begin to declare the Word of God and begin to declare His forgiveness and begin to uh, uh, think about His character and who He wants you to be. Penny, I want you to come on up. Here's the last thing I want us to share. It's not just about forgetting what we need to forget, but we need to add more RAM. When, whenever the computer runs slow... It's not enough just to get rid of the memories that are slowing us down. We have to add more RAM to to operate with speed and efficiency. What does that mean spiritually? Write it down. Fill it in. Remember the goodness and greatness of God. Not the goodness and greatness of your self-discipline. Not the goodness and greatness of how great things were for you in the late 90s or in the late 70s. But to remember the goodness and greatness of God. It's God who sustained you. It's God who strengthened you. It's God who empowered you. It's God who took you through the valley of the shadow of death once before. He took you through before. So he's going to take you through again. It's God who has made you whole and cleansed you. So just because you stumbled again, the same God who forgave you again and restored you once before is the same God who's going to do it today. When the accuser comes and says, you're a failure, you're a loser, you you are uh, going to perpetually sin the rest of your life, and he begins to accuse, 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 and accuse. Oh, we can just let all that cash build up, all that memory, and it slows us down, and it keeps us from getting the will of God. The enemy will come and say, things will never be the way they used to be. It'll never be as fresh. It'll never be as good. you got to get rid of that But then you have to fill yourself up with the goodness and the greatness of who God is. Look at me with Psalms 105. Here's our last scripture I want to share today. I love this scripture. Give thanks to the Lord. Proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Sing to him. Yes, sing his praises. Tell everyone about his wonderful deeds.